You've just found your survival guide for the new reality of business. From technical advances to motivation and leadership, workplace changes are happening all around us. How can CEOs, leaders, and managers accelerate talent development, reshape culture, and succeed with purpose? By seeing what's coming and making the personal and organizational choices to do better. Welcome to the Future Proof Workplace with Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett. Thanks for joining us again on Future Proof Workplace. We're we're grateful to have you, a terrific audience as always, and um, thank you so much for joining us. And Morag, I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Yeah, you've had some interaction with this uh, with with uh, Neil and this organization in the past, right? Yes, I have. I've been a, had the opportunity to be a speaker at a number of their conferences, and they're always so well attended. I just learn so much from the participants. And so, again, it's looking forward to reconnecting. Well, and, that's, uh, that's, that's great. And, you know, human resources is really, uh, you know, depending upon who you're talking to, is taking a fair amount of transformation these days. And, you know, we, our guest is from the uh, public sector, which... Um, it's very exciting for me personally because I did a lot of work in uh, New York State government um, and uh, in the public sector. And I have a completely high regard for often how difficult it is um, to get things done. And what I find is really uh, interesting and that most people don't realize is that the public sector is probably the first or second largest employer in the country, mm-hmm. you know, when yep. you all together. And so many of these organizations have, uh, and, and public sector environments, uh, have considerably interesting cutting edge things that they do that get overlooked. And, Agreed. And, you know, you were just talking about Tennessee. I know you were recently there doing something there. And I was at a conference with Duke and they were highlighting how progressive Tennessee is in terms of their human resource practices. To shed, shed just a little light on that before we get it, jump in with our guest. Well, yes. I mean, they have been winning awards for the investment that they've been making and breaking down the old stereotypes of the government sector being decades behind the corporate sector. And uh, we actually had Trish on as a guest, uh, Dr. Trish Holliday, on an earlier show talking about some of the investments they've made and really engaged um, Everybody working at different levels and across the different divisions within the um, government, the state of Tennessee, to actively own their own personal development. And with it, some interesting uh, innovations around private public sector partnerships, too. So it's been interesting to learn from that and see what can translate back into the corporate sector. Yeah, and I I think that's really fascinating because everywhere you look these days, public-private partnerships are coming back as a huge lever and a huge opportunity for business and for the public sector. So I'm really thrilled. Um, We have Neil Reichenberg, uh, who is the executive director of the International Public Management Association for Human Resources. And uh, in this capacity, he serves as the chief executive officer and is responsible for the overall management of the association. He's in his 38th year with I. PMA HR in his 22nd year as executive director. 
He's also a lawyer. Um, so I'm very excited to have you on, Neil, and uh, help us talk about HR in the public sector, what we can learn, and uh, also talk about your conference that's coming up, which thank you very much for inviting me to be a keynote there. I'm very excited. So thanks for being on the show, Neil. Well, well, thank you, um, Linda and uh, Morag. I'm, I'm pleased to participate, and we are very excited to have you uh, join us as a keynote speaker at our conference in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, which will be September 22nd to 26th. Yeah, which I'm very excited to come. So tell me uh, about the association. How did it start? And um, give me the rundown on it, what you're trying to achieve. Right. So we were established in um, 1906, which predates me um, being part of the organization. And uh, initially it was set up by a group of um, civil service commissioners. And uh, actually at their first conference, they had a meeting with um, none other than President Theodore Roosevelt. Um, And the organization has... um, kind of merged with uh, other organizations over, over the years, changed names a few few times. But the, the, the niche and the focus of IPMA HR is on, you know, public sector human resource management. That's that's always been our our sole focus and um, you know and that's that's really the the, the part of the market in, in the HR world in, in which we, we occupy. And, you know, our, our overall goal really is to provide innovative solutions to our members in order to help them improve um, the performance of their organizations. Yeah, that's great. What are you finding, Neil? Um, you know, things are really changing fast, certainly in the pub- private sector. Um with the advent of artificial intelligence and robots. I was just a friend of mine works at Bayer and um, she's got a robot out at this fair, you know, introducing people and making connections and, and all of that other kind of stuff. How are you finding these changes impacting the public sector and how you employ and how you retain people? Yeah, you know, uh, the whole issue around um I you know, put it in the broader of, of um, technology and its its impact. I saw a study last year that um, estimated that in the not too um, distant future in the United Kingdom, there'd be about 750,000 jobs lost in the public sector due to technology, robotics, and, and uh, you know artificial intelligence and things like that. And um, we, for, we, we do an annual employment outlook survey. And for the first time, we added a couple of questions on this whole area. And um, you know, what, what we got back is that, that so far, there hasn't been a big impact, um, lim- limited uh, number of organizations that are saying that um, they're they have uh, reduced jobs um, because of uh, technology, and they're saying where, where that occurs rather than um, laying off people, that they actually are shifting them to other work with, within their, their um, governments. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I think that the, the impact is still to be felt in, in that whole area of, uh, you know, technology, robotics, artificial intelligence, but it's, it's certainly, I think, on, on the radar for uh, all of the public sector. 
Yeah, very, very interesting. Morag. Well, of course, that brings with it a huge reskilling. Um, yeah. So when you think about human resources as a profession, um, there are many facets to it. So when you think of, uh, about human resources as a profession and the public sector uh, uh, specifically, what makes it such an important career, a potential career option for those entering into the workforce, but also an important profession generally? Right. Well, I think that, you know, the the big uh, competitive advantage, if you will, that the, the public sector has, and, and candidly, I'm not sure that it leverages to the extent that it it should really is its mission. You know, it, it impacts the lives of um, its citizens. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a powerful message to say. Um, come and work for our our government and have a positive impact on on uh, you know the your your fellow citizens within mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 governmental um, entity and as a result though you know if government is going to do that and have a positive impact it has to be able to hire talented employees committed to to public service. And, you know, one of the things we, we, we know today is that leaders of almost all organizations recognize that it's, it's all about their, their employees. If they're going to succeed, they have to have the right people in the right positions with the right skills. Mm-hmm. And within organizations, HR is the only department that has people as its primary mission. Yep. So, you know, H, HR really should play a strategic role in, in ensuring the success of governments. And this, uh, and you know, that, that role for HR isn't limited to the public sector. Um, there have been recent articles, I believe there was one in the Harvard Business Review last year, talking about how, you know, more CEOs in large companies, uh, the career path ought to be to to work as the chief human resource officer before becoming the CEO. And, and that's not a traditional um, career path, I think, no. for, for CEOs. Um, there's a recent book uh, that that came out talking about how the most important partnership in organizations now is between the CEO, the chief executive officer, the CFO, the chief financial officer. And I think for the first time, they're including also the, the chief human resources officer. So, you know, I think there's, there's a growing recognition of the importance of the people and therefore the, the, uh, you know, the key role for um, the HR departments to play. So how can government organizations then compete successfully for the talent that they need in their HR departments? Uh, within their HR departments? Well, to, to attract those new, new talented employees into their HR functions when they're up against um, other corporate entities. What are, they, what are you seeing and what are they doing to attract the new HR professional? Yeah, I think that um, you know the the things that that they're um, looking at is uh, you know really becoming much more aggressive in 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 their recruitment. Um, you know, I remember the day when the way employers recruited, uh, and actually the way I got hired at IPMAHR was through a an, an ad in a newspaper, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's over. Um, and it's never coming <laughs> back. And, um, you, you know, so I think now what, what you're finding is that, uh, you know, governments are, um, 
realizing the need to embrace the use of social media to be more aggressive when um, recruiting for for employees, and and this is certainly you know being done by HR departments when they're looking for staff as well as when they're they're staffing um, their 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 governments. You know the overall issue of recruitment retention of qualified personnel. We participate or are um, members along with members of another public sector HR association in an annual workforce trend survey. It's it's currently ongoing, so I don't have 2018 data yet, but mm. from the 2017 survey, the top number one workforce issue, recruitment, retention of qualified personnel. And I think that cuts across, um, you know, all the occupations with within um, mm-hmm. government. Um, and you know, I, I think traditionally government has been uh, criticized for its slow hiring practices. So I know a number of them are are looking at uh, you know kind of reforming how how they hire. Um, but it needs to be recognized that it's it's not just the HR department that is in talent yep. recruitment. I think it's the entire organization that needs to be involved in in that. And a lot of times in the hiring process, what I've heard from our members is that when they go back and they review it and they try to see, well, why was it slower than what, um, you know, hiring managers want? In many instances, it's the hiring managers that are slowing down the, mm-hmm. the process. So I think yeah. everyone needs to own it and uh, not just say, well, it's HR's fault. And the other thing I, I believe HR departments need to do is to monitor the quality of hires because oh, if they yeah. can say to hiring managers, well, it may have taken longer than you wanted, but look at the high-quality people that we're bringing in to the organization. I, I think that um, you know people people will take a slower process in exchange for for higher quality. Agreed. Employees and the other, the other piece of of all of this is that you know there are. Um, professions like public safety, um, which really is primarily a a governmental function, um, where there's a need to do more uh, extensive background um, than there would be for for other occupations you know certainly police officers you know they carry guns we you know governments need to be very careful and that's going to be a uh, slower recruitment process mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I want to just uh, share something with you though I mean as I told you I've been in the public and the private sector and uh, we've done and, and personally done a lot of research around time to fill. And I will tell you that that is the same exact complaint in the private sector, that it's time to fill is long. And secondly, when we did a Six Sigma uh, study of it, uh, same problem. It was the hiring manager that was the slow up in the process. So I don't think... You know, my experience tells me that there really isn't that huge uh, difference between the public and private sector. But I'm wondering what 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 about a brand issue? I mean, how do you make your brand in this tight labor market really something that is exciting and appealing to new people coming into the workforce? Right, and that's that's a great question, and I think governments are starting to do more around the whole issue of um, you know how do they brand themselves as, as an employer of, of of choice, and and I think there's there's a few things that um, they 
can do, uh, starting with looking at all their their rules and regulations and re- recognizing that in in some governments, in order to change those, it actually takes a vote of the citizens. So it's, it's not an uh, easy or, or quick process. Um, you have more unionization in the um, public sector, and that can make change perhaps more 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 difficult to uh, get approval and to uh, implement but I think that uh, you know some of the things that that government can can do to uh, you know brand themselves as uh, as good employers um, and I've already talked about the the mission I'm not going to repeat that um, but other things that that they can do is you know I think employees and it doesn't matter what age they are. Employees want to learn and grow, right? I'm a, you know, continuous learning should never stop. And so, you know, governments can certainly offer those, those, those opportunities. They may lag um, behind the, the private sector in, in pay, but that doesn't mean that, that, that they can't offer professional development opportunities. And, you know, I think governments have been more aggressive in, in that whole area recently. I know you, um, you had talked about, about Tennessee, and I'm, I'm aware of the great work that they have done there. there. There are other employers that are really focusing on, you know, how do, how do we build that, that talent pipeline? Um, yeah. How do we, uh, you know, so they've been starting a lot of, um, you know, like leadership academies and management institutes and, and things along those lines to, um, you know, kind of build up that, um, that, that pipeline. I know there's a, there's several, um, governments in, in Northern California that have combined and, and are working collaboratively across, uh, governments to provide those opportunities so that people can actually have assignments in different governments and, you know, providing mentorship, coaching, all, all of these are, 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 are things that, that really will, Will help to brand employers. Um, looking at uh, you know really flexible learning, as, as a learning place. Neil, going to go to break, but when we come back, I want to explore this a little bit more, and I, and I want to tell you a story because I think it it, it illustrates you know how creative uh, you can be in the government sector. So stay with us. We're talking to Neil Reichenberg, who is the executive director of the IPMA, International Public Management Association for HR. And we're going to be talking about how learning can be really quite interesting and positive in the public sector. Ever wondered if your career will last? Will your job be around in 10 years, 5 years, or even tomorrow? The Future Proof Workplace with Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett gives you practical tips and tools that are not only fact-based and proven to make you a better leader, but will also ensure that both your organization and career are future-proof. Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett are sought-out keynote speakers, leadership development and organization experts, and they can help you future-proof your career. To learn more about everything they have to offer you and your organization, visit futureproofworkplace.com. Welcome back. We're talking to Neil Reichenberg, Executive Director of IPMA, International Public Management Association. And we were talking about all the opportunities for learning and experience in the public sector, which, frankly, I don't think you can always get everywhere else. And, you know, Neil, I wanted to just tell you the story, and I I, I don't want to monopolize the time here because it's really about you. But when I was working in the public sector, we had a public-private partnership. 
And it was through that partnership with American Express and IBM and et cetera and other really big New York State uh, companies that were incorporated there that um, – we took the Malcolm Baldridge um, concept, which is an award for the best run organizations in the country, and took it into New York State. And I learned how to be a Malcolm Baldridge examiner as a result of that. And it was such an incredible eye-opening experience for me that really set the foundation for my uh, future career trajectory. And I'm forever grateful um, for for that experience and that opportunity to learn that I would not have had anywhere else. And I think today's day and age, the private sector is very willing now because they're having challenges themselves to reach more out into government and create these partnerships. What are you guys doing around that? I I know that there are a, a number of governments that, that do, do have um, partnerships with uh, employers in their community, and there's there's a lot that work with um, particularly community colleges or, or universities in, in their areas to create partnerships for um, learning opportunities. Uh, you know, some actually bring, uh, you know, college and university professors uh, to, to their workplace so that they can, can deliver programs. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot going on in, in, in that particular area. And, and I'm certainly aware of the, the Malcolm Baldridge. I know that uh, there are a number of governments that, that are involved somewhere in that, in that process of uh, you know, applying and uh, moving up the different levels um, for, the, for the Baldridge Awards. And uh, I would, would commend anyone that, that undertakes that because it, it's quite a rigorous process to, to go through. Yeah. Interesting. So we opened actually with the news, Linda, that you're going to be speaking at the conference in Phoenix. And uh, Neil, the conference is titled HR Rises. Tell us a little bit about the event and the theme for this year's conference. Yes. So uh, the the conference will be in Phoenix, September 22nd to to 26th. And, um, you know, the Conference will have probably about uh, we'll have several keynote speakers, Linda being one of of them, and then more than than twenty five kind of concurrent sessions, and um, you know it's it's all uh, built around. Um, we had done a uh, study uh, in two thousand sixteen called HR twenty twenty shifting perspectives of vision for public sector HR, which is really all around how can government you know become more transparent transformational, more, more strategic. And, uh, you know, so the conference is really going to, you know, kind of look, look at, uh, you know, that overall theme of, of, of how to, to kind of move public sector HR to a more strategic role. And, um, you know, we are expecting a, a good, good turnout and a, a great, great conference this, this mm-hmm. year. So for those listeners who might be in an HR profession but not working in the public sector, can they still attend and would you encourage them to do so? They, they can certainly attend and, uh, you know, as, as I often say, HR is spelled the same way yeah. in uh, <laughs> the public and private sector. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's certainly, you know, overall themes um, that will be, be looked at that, uh, you know, are, are, are relevant, for example, in our HR 2020 report. I mean, we're we, we suggest in in there that um, HR professionals need to 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 look at what they do through 
different lenses, those lenses being business acumen, you know, understanding what it is the organization does, innovation and strategic orientation. I think that cuts across sectors um, within within the economy and, and would certainly be um, relevant. relevant. So, yes, I think it, it, it is relevant uh, across public yeah. or private sector. Well, as I said, the events that I've had an opportunity to participate in the past have always been impressed, A, by the um, the number of people who do attend, but also the, the informal and formal conversations that are happening and the, the willingness to share so that everybody can succeed together. But that brings me uh, to another question. You talk there about the HR 2020 report and the different HR lenses. What are the pr- other professional development opportunities that IPMA HR provide to assist public sector human resources professionals build their toolkit and increase their influence? Yes. So we we have a number of different professional development opportunities, and um, we um, also offer uh, some certification de- designations. And so, um, you know, our our goal really is to provide professional development and, and learning opportunities for HR professionals at, at any stage of, of their career. So for those just entering or with, you know, um, maybe two, three years of experience, we have a um, public sector essential HR essentials program that, that really looks at the, the kind of foundational technical areas of um, HR. And, you know, we deliver that uh, both through distance learning as well as in, in classroom opportunities. And, um, you know, we link that with a certification designation. So there's an exam at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for those, uh, you know, kind of mid-level and more, more senior, we have a developing competencies for HR success training program um, that we've actually offered globally. And, you know, that, that looks at the different roles of being a strategic business partner, being a change agent and um, being an, an, an HR leader. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have uh, 20 competencies there and that's also linked to a certification designation. Um, so there's a, an exam and we're in the process this year of developing an HR executive leadership program that's going to be really for senior HR leaders. Um, that's that's going that that we're currently in the process. We have a, a team working on on developing that, and then we offer individual uh, workshops and and seminars. On um, you know, we have one on workforce and succession planning, which is a huge issue for governments today with the the, the demographics. Um, all the baby boomers like me are retiring. Uh, what, what did I see until 2030? There's 10,000 people in the U.S. turning 65 every day. Wow. Uh, and, yeah. And, and I wasn't turning 18, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then um, we also have a, a, a course on, on employee engagement and uh, we're have just designed a, a, a new course on uh, public sector compensation because those are those are huge issues for for, for for government. So those are the types of um, learning and development opportunities that we we provide, and we do provide them either online or you know in person classroom type trainings. That's great. That's quite an investment in uh, development of people, which I think. Is, is really important. And it goes back to your other point earlier that people are looking for learning opportunities and to, you know, walk away from a job with 
more than, than, than what they had when they came in. So that's a really great opportunity for people. You know, you talk about culture and it's, it's interesting. I'm not sure that uh, it's one of the factors we talk about in our book, Morag and I, that is so essential to uh, an engaged workforce. And you are talking about all of these things that you're doing, but how are you ensuring that um, you have a positive culture leading to an engaged workforce? Yeah, I think culture is really a, a key issue. Uh, you know, it's really what's what's the personality of, of the organization. And I, I really believe that that starts at the top, that it's it's all about the leadership of of the organization and what's what's the culture, what's the values uh, that 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 they believe in, and it's not just what they say, but what 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 do they do? Mm. Um, and it's I think impossible to change the culture of the organization unless the leadership wants it to change. Um, and you know, we did our HR 2020 study. So, so we did a, a survey of, um, our, uh, senior HR leaders that are members of, um, IPMA HR and, and ask questions around culture. And one of the shocking, striking results from, from that survey is 98% of those surveyed reported a gap between the desired and actual behaviors of managers and employees in their organizations. Wow. So you know, that means it's, it's universal, right? That, that this whole area of culture, there, there's a lot of work to, to be done. Um, and there's been a lot of emphasis on employee engagement and, and I, I believe strongly in, in the importance of, of employee engagement. But if we look historically and, you know, Gallup, as, as you both know, has been very involved in, in this whole area of employee engagement. And if you look at it historically, the numbers of engaged employees really have not changed over time. It's, it's typically, and again, this is in the aggregate. I'm not talking about any individual employer, but it's, it's typically been, um, in the, in the U S around, uh, you know, the low thirties is, is, um, the number, the percentage of, um, employer employees who are engaged in their, their jobs. And it's actually, when you look globally, it's actually, lower. Um, so you say, well, okay, if we're, we're investing all of this in employee engagement to essentially in the aggregate, not move the needle in a positive direction, why? And, and I would say it's all about the culture of the organizations. And so, you know, if the organization isn't going to step back and take a look at its, its culture, um, what, what, what is, 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 or the values of the organization is their their trust and integrity, uh, you know. And again, that that has to start with the um, leadership of, of the organization. I, I think there are things that um, HR professionals can do to help influence leadership um, and to have a positive impact on the um, culture. I mean, I I think HR is uniquely positioned to provide senior leadership with the reasons why specific values should be important to the culture 
of um, the organization. Um, you know, I think I think HR needs to take the lead in terms of you know engagement and 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 climate surveys. Uh, you know, because that that really gives you kind of a reality check. Yeah. Uh, as to how the organizational values are being reflected in, in, in the workplace. And, and you know, if, if if HR isn't leading that within organizations, I don't know who will be. Right. And, right. you know, and, and, and then I think you, when, when, when you get all this data, I mean, I, I've seen surveys that, that show if you don't take steps to communicate with the employees and uh, come up with an action plan, how you're going to address the concerns, you will actually drive engagement down because your message to employees in, in effect is, well, we wanted your opinion and now we're going to ignore it. Right. So, Neil, we are up uh, against, this is a great conversation and one that applies across the board, but we are up against break. And so we're going to be heading out and then coming back in. Um, And I'd just like to point out that this all relates to the brand that you have in the marketplace as well. So we'll be talking about leadership, how HR can impact and what how important the role of HR is around developing and shaping leadership and culture in an organization. So stay with us. We're talking to Neil Reichenberg, uh, Executive Director of IPMA uh, for Human Resources. We all know that leaders who build talent, care about their people, and create healthy organizations are the people that others want to work for and with. Raise your own bar and future-proof your organization with the Future-Proof Workplace. Whether you're a CEO, manager, or just trying to survive the chaos, the Future-Proof Workplace is your wake-up call. Because, let's face it, the future is now. Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett are sought-out keynote speakers, leadership development and organization experts, and they can help you start future-proofing your organization. To learn more about everything they have to offer you and your organization, visit futureproofworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Future Proof Workplace. And our guest this week is Neil Reichenberg, Executive Director of the International Public Management Association for Human Resources. And before we went to break, you were talking about the importance of culture and how HR needs to influence leaders um, within their government agency to the importance of values. And uh, I don't know, earlier this week, it was Equal Pay Day. Um, which for those of our listeners who don't know, it's the day in 2018 that women need to work until to actually equal the pay for men in 2017. And so I'm curious, Neil, in terms of the research that's going on, um, where does um, equal pay and uh, diversity fall within the government sector and the public sector? I, I think those are uh, very important issues um, within the, the the public sector. Um, you know, I think governments overall are much more transparent about mm-hmm. um, issues like compensation. Um, you can go on any government website and probably find you know compensation inf- information if you want it, and uh, you, you certainly can't can't do that in the in the private sector. No. So, you know, I, I think that that's, it's, it's an important issue. Um, and I, I, having, having said that, I'm sure that, that, that there are equal pay issues among some government em, employers. Um, and, uh, you know, there, 
they they need to 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 look at all of that and take take steps. I mean, you know, beyond equal pay, you have kind of the uh, growing inequality uh, in um, among you know economic in, in inequality mm-hmm. in the country. That's that's gotten a lot of attention. Um, and, and certainly we as an, an association and I, I know our, our, our um, members are all opposed to any form of um, discrimination. Um, the whole area of diversity and in, inclusion, again, that, that's one that's, that's getting an increasing amount of um, attention. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that, that governments overall are, are, are very committed to having a, a diverse Mm-hmm. inclusive uh, workforce that's reflective of the, the community that it's, it's, it serves. Um, there are a number of different initiatives, particularly in um, areas that uh, traditionally have not been that um, diverse. I mean, I'm, I'm in, in Northern Virginia. I know, for example, in, in, in Fairfax County, the uh, which is the, a, a large county in Northern Virginia, they have, have undertaken a a very comprehensive, you know, kind of di- diversity of an initiative in, in order to 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 bring in, um, you know, non-traditional groups into into policing. So I think you're mm-hmm. seeing a growing commitment in in the government sector on the whole area of d- diversity yeah. and, and, and inclusiveness. And I see that your April edition of HR News was focused on diversity and inclusion. So it's a hot topic now. You mentioned earlier on that you've got your 2018 research currently underway. What do you expect or anticipate the hot topics to be when you actually complete that research? You know, I I would think that, um, you know, we're certainly going to see the whole issue of recruitment and and um, retention being near near the top of the list. Um, You know, workforce and succession planning is going to be up there. Uh, You know, candidly, I think governments are are doing more in in, in that area. Um, We had done surveys a number of years ago where it was one of the top issues of concern, but very few were doing anything that number is um, going going up, but again, it, it requires an investment of, of resources, and you know, government is, is not currently a growth industry. <laughs> there's still, still a lot of budget challenges going on. I think the whole areas of staff development, uh, leadership development, are are, are also going to be crucial areas for uh, governments to address. And you know, we've 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 talked about about those earlier in the, the show. But I, I think those would be, you know, compensation issues are, are, are also important. You know, when I travel around the, the country, one of the things that, that I continually hear is that, you know, during the recession, governments cut back, they didn't give raises, they kind of ignored their compensation plan. Now they're facing a very competitive environment and they suddenly find themselves, um, you know, behind the market. And so some are doing studies and they come back and they realize, well, this is what it's going to cost us. What, what, what do we do about it? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to say, okay, we're going to recruit new people and pay them more than the, the current incumbents, unless we can truly show that, that they are more qualified than, than the people currently holding their, mm-hmm. their position. So, you know, I think the whole area of compensation also is uh, a big challenge for the, the public sector. 
And these aren't small challenges. I mean, you've talked about compensation, we've talked about culture, diversity, the importance of development and investing in employees. How can public sector HR professionals shift from possibly being transactional now to being more strategic so that they can help influence these changes? Yeah, I think that what the, you know, for, for years, um, HR people have talked about having the proverbial seat at the table um, and not having that, that seat more, more, more accurately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's all about how do you demonstrate value um, mm-hmm. Because if you can demonstrate value, uh, you'll not only have a seat at the table, but they'll probably have your name, you know, in a gold plate on the chair because they, they will want you there whenever they're talking about uh, HR issues. And, you know, I think the, the, the thing that, that um, you know, HR and, and it's not limited to HR, but certainly in other professions, in, in, in my view, the the value of the service is determined by the receiver and not the giver. If if I'm doing work for you and I say, man, I did a great job on this and you think it was terrible, my opinion really doesn't matter. It's you're the receiver of the of the service, and so you know I think HR needs to do um, you know a better job of listening to its customers. One of the things that that we've done um, recently that we're very excited about with our HR 2020. Um, work, we have developed online assessments. Um, We have one for HR professionals that kind of looks at um, the lenses and we have five focus areas and they can assess themselves at self-scoring. We have one where HR professionals can look at their their HR department overall and say, well, how's the department doing? And, And we have one that HR can give to its business partners or their customers and say, well, how are we doing in these these different areas and um you know i think that provides valuable feedback um you know i've seen some studies and typically what they show is that hr thinks that they're doing a better job than than do other areas Mm -hmm. of of the organization and again if you believe it's the it's the receiver of the service (laughs) that determines the value you should look at that and say well what are we going to do you know to close this gap right because that if we can close that that gap, we're going to be seen as you know more strategic and of more value to the organization. And so, you know, I I, I think that those, those are ways that that HR can can address this. But 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 you really need to talk to your customers. You need to understand what it is that they do. You have to be able to to speak the language of their business. And you know you really need to be that 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 partner, that uh, consultant that that helps them with all their HR issues. Indeed, Linda, do you have a question? Well, it's just a kind of this final. I think we're probably coming close to the end of the show here. But you know, uh, what what in your view, and how is the best way for HR to impact? Uh, public sector leaders to make sure that you do have the best leaders uh, in your organization? 
I, I think the best way that, that they can, can do that is by becoming, you know, really that uh, strategic advisor to them so that they can believe that, um, you know, if, if, if they're talking about the people, that, that they need to have HR there. Um, I remember, and this is going back probably 15 years, um, I was asked to come to a to a meeting and, and you had the leaders of um, organizations within within governments and their HR directors, and they wanted them to have a dialogue today, and, and it was around social services. Mm-hmm. And there were a number of um, HR issues that, that were being faced. And what was discovered, and this was a small group, um, was that the leaders never talked to their HR directors, that they wow. didn't see any value to what they did. They saw them as people that processed paper. Personnel people, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And unless you can change that that perception, and you, you can only do that by by bringing something to the to the table. And so, you know, one of the initiatives that, that we're working on now is around the whole area of um, HR analytics and metrics. You, know, yeah. you have to have data and we're going to do, a, uh, uh, we do an annual benchmarking survey and that's what it's going to be on this year is HR analytics because you really need to have data. You know, finance comes with numbers, right? And HR can, has to have, you know, hard data. And so, you know, there's, there's a growing area around that. Um, it's, it's challenging to do, uh, you know, cause you, 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 you don't want to measure everything, but you want to measure the things that matter. Mm-hmm, um, right. And so, you know, I think those that's that's one way in which, you know, HR can have a positive impact is to show, well, you know, we're we're investing in our employees this this way, this these are the results, these are the things that, that we're 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 doing and, and here's data to show what impact it's having. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important, and 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 I think also the the public sector is a uh, private sector is focusing a lot on that too. And you know, this whole conversation points up that you know the differences between the public and private sector, really in terms of challenges, is not really that vast. Um, but it's a great learning opportunity. So Neil, we just have a little bit of time left. What what three messages would you like to leave um, our audience with? Yeah, I would say um, first of all, um, let me thank you for for having me on as 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 a guest. I really appreciate the the, the opportunity. Um, I, I would say the the messages to to leave is uh, that one government plays a, a crucial role um, in in this country, and I think it's really un- unfortunate that uh, you know government is often bashed and, and seen as the as Ronald Reagan said is the problem and not not the solution. I don't don't believe that that at all. I believe strongly in the public sector. Two, I believe, and um, this this applies across uh, across um, you. Know, sectors. I think in, in any organization, it's all about the people. That uh, you know, you you have to focus on, on the people within in the organization if the organization is going to to succeed. And um, three, I would say to people working in um, public sector HR that uh, you know you're in a a crucial function, and um, you know you can really have a positive impact in in helping your organizations um, achieve their their missions. But in order to 
do that, you need to um, not only do the HR basics really well, but uh, you know you can't get trapped in sort of that 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 transactional box, and you you need to be able to 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 demonstrate um, how you can play a, a strategic role. And if you do that, your organizations will will benefit greatly from it. So thank you again. Yeah, agreed. Actually, um, Neil, um, people can get a hold of you uh, from your website of IPMA. Is that correct? Yes, IPMA-HR.org. Yeah, and I'm hoping uh, a lot of people will be inspired to go to uh, the conference, which is in September, and it's well advertised on your on your website. And thank you so much for being with us, Neil. And I very much look forward uh, to opening up your conference and to being there and to network with all of these great people that actually are unsung heroes and do a lot of wonderful things for our, our society. So thanks again, Neil. Thank you. This has been the Future Proof Workplace with Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett. To learn about the hosts or to get more resources on future-proofing your organization, visit futureproofworkplace.com. Thanks for listening.